Welcome to Rethink, the Financial Advisor Podcast. My name is Adam Holtz. And this is Derek Notman. We are your hosts, both veteran advisors and fintech CEOs who challenge the status quo, question everything, and have fun doing it. Hear honest commentary on the challenges facing advisors today. And be part of a community where we can all rethink the profession. Now on to our episode. Derek, why should anybody care about having followers on social media? Hey, Adam, that's an awesome question. I used to not care at all, man. I didn't care. I didn't want the followers. I didn't care. Then all of a sudden I cared. It's really important. But why? Why is it important? It's simple math. And as advisors, I hope, you know, hopefully you have some basic math skills. <laughs> I have an HP calculator. Can I tell you the present value of my followers? <laughs> you actually probably could do that. I'm not going to get into it on this one. But yeah, like it's important. If you're distributing a product or a service, don't you have to have people to distribute it to, to monetize I mean, it? I mean, I have my clients. I have my hundred so clients. That's good enough, right? Can I just distribute to them? Why do I have to go social? Why don't I have to well, go do you want more clients? Do you want to grow? What about the advisors that don't have a hundred clients? What about if your practice is struggling and you're losing more clients than you're gaining through attrition, death, I don't know, right? Do you want more clients? If you're going to distribute something, you need people to distribute it too, wouldn't you say? I, I do. I mean, look, this is sarcasm and rhetoric. I, <laughs> we both know how important followers are as a metric for you to run your business. And here's the way that I have come to believe that it's important, Derek. It's that this represents your captive audience of people who care about your voice. And the problem is, is that today, almost everybody is, mo- is somewhat how influenced by what I call fake news. Everything is curated propaganda. All of our feeds are curated for what we want to talk about, look about, think about, hear about. And so the person who you want to reach, who might be interested in your services, maybe financial advice, If they don't hear about you in their normal day-to-day, they just don't hear about you. You're blocked out. So you got to get to a place where your voice, your authentic voice is heard as a credible resource to your prospects. And that's indicated by followers. Exactly. That's the one metric we can track really well. It's true. I mean, you have no followers. Nobody's hearing your awesome, authentic voice. Yeah, right? Like it's, you got the best cheeseburger in town, but nobody knows about it. How many cheeseburgers are you going to sell? I don't know. How, well, look, here's a great example. You have done an awesome job of creating followers, even though you come from the roots of being a financial advisor who was never really, quote unquote, we'll say, permitted to go right. outward and market, market in the way of normal social media, right? But somehow you garnered all of tens of thousands of people listening to your voice. I did. I did. And it started off, I, well, heck, I didn't even want to be on social. I fought it early on. The first three years as an advisor, I didn't even have a cell phone, let alone social media accounts. All right. Like, I afford it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, right? I was that broke like most new advisors. Like I had no money. So I just couldn't afford it. Now I have 14 cell phones and 400 social media accounts. And you still don't pick up the phone when I call you, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> Your voicemail is not even set up. Let's not even set up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could digress on this one. But I, 
I had to change my mindset. And then all of a sudden, holy smokes, like, here we go. Like I have an unlimited potential to grow. And all I have to do is grow my followers. Yeah. So it sounds easy. So I, I, I cared first. I had to care first. And I was like, all right, well, that's super easy. I just got to grow my followers. Mm. But how? Not so easy. Yeah. And I think there's some big trends that we're seeing here. Well, we've got a special guest that we discussed this with. I think it's going to be extremely relevant for all of our listeners. Oh, it's all of our followers, true. our two followers. Because <laughs> we're two... trying to grow our followers. No, no. It's our two listeners. And oh, our listeners. tens of thousands of followers now between us, which you <laughs> dwarf me by far. I didn't really understand this game actually until more recently when I changed my role from more advisor to leader of a fintech. And yeah. I took a lot of cues from you and I learned a lot in this process. And it's it's been a really interesting learning experience. By no means do I feel an expert. I just I feel like a little more familiar with this roller coaster. Like I've ridden, you know, the the uh, what is it called? Space Mountain. Now ten times. I kind of know where the the the, the dips are going to come. So oh, yeah, yeah. But for someone who's new to this and really hasn't really gotten into social media and created a following, and even if it's a thousand people or five hundred people, let alone tens of thousands, there's a real impact to this. And I want to also explain why I think this is really important. Both of us have talked about it. The future of distribution of information is going to be channels that people opt into. They're not going to necessarily go to NBC per se, unless NBC is, they're following NBC. They're not going to go to the news outlets. They're going to go to the specific news outlets that gives them information the way they want it. And they're going to select into them. Now, the question is, if we think social media is going to continue to distribute information and awareness and guidance and understanding and education, you want to be where your customer is actually looking for that information. And you should be that subject matter expert, which is you should be the credible source, which they will replicate, multiply, share with their friends if, in fact, you're delivering good information. So I I really, it seems crazy, but every individual is going to have the opportunity to create a channel, a television or audio channel that represents their brand. And you're either relevant or you're not. And so that's really the challenge of why this is so important. You must arrive in the next two to three years, financial advisors, with either a defined brand that's digital and accessible or decide you're not doing it and you're going to go the opposite way. There's not going to be an in-between here. It's going to be a waste of time, I think. That's, that's a bold statement. I suspect you're 100% on there. You actually make me think, like, I'm to sum up what you just said, we actually are living in an opt-in, opt-out culture. Mm. Right, I'm going to opt into the stuff I actually want to know about and with people that resonate with me. And I'm opting out of the rest because I don't want to hear it, whether it's fake news or any of that other stuff. Like I don't have enough time. So it's opt in, opt out. So who's going to opt into your stuff? And if you don't have stuff or have followers to opt in in the first place, what are you doing? I agree. I agree. Well, you set up something awesome and we had a great guest interview in the Rethink Tank. Devin Banerjee is actually the editor at large for business and finance at LinkedIn. He's actually a CFA charter holder. So he understands the business of finance. He also comes from a a family, which you'll hear in this, that comes from the compliance background. So he's got a really interesting mix of background and experience. And we had this great opportunity to interview him. So why don't we share, Derek, what that interview was? Because I think there's going to be a lot of tidbits here that professionals can pick up. You ready? Do it. Yeah. Some great takeaways here. All right. Here we go. Devin Banerjee. 
So thank you, Devin, for participating in Rethink. It's really awesome to have you and have a representative from LinkedIn be part of this program today. Thank you. Now, interestingly enough, what an amazing background you have, obviously, in finance and as the editor-at-large for the business and finance. I'm sure you have some really interesting perspectives. So give us an idea. What is your perspective or opinion of the financial advice market today? Yeah, well, first, thank you guys both for for the invite. I'm a huge fan of this pod and the idea behind it. Um, I talk with advisors a lot and uh, kind of observe the financial advice market. And one thing I love about studying it is it's kind of like applying a a litmus to society, if you will, because both the providers of the service, the FAs, and the consumers of it, the clientele, are so diverse. It's a cross-section of society in terms of generation, in terms of geography, in terms of income and interests and all of that. And so as a result, by observing trends in this market, you can observe trends in society, as cliche as that sounds. So what are some of those trends that you know I kind of see and observe from my vantage point? You know, the first, which will come as no surprise, is technological enablement, I'll call it. So yes, of course, what continues to underpin this market is that trusted human relationship between client and advisor. But as you guys know better than anyone, the sourcing and the discovery involved in creating that relationship from both ends and the ongoing communication and interaction in that relationship and the sharing of information, it's now all enabled by technology. And I use that word enabled versus replaced, which I think you two would certainly agree with. Um, a, A second trend in this market that kind of mirrors that of society, I think, is uh, a personalization of services. So this has also been enabled by technology as well as this exponential rise of data that we're all experiencing. But you know, consumers now demand personalized services across the board, including uh, financial advice, and they want those services delivered faster, better, uh, easier. So. I see that in this market and and in society more broadly. And the last one I'll mention, which obviously relates to my role quite a bit, is the explosion of content. (laughs) So we at LinkedIn see this across the board, across markets, across industries, which is this recognition that many professionals, I'd say most professionals or even every professional, is inherently a subject matter expert. Um, and this recognition as well that there are multiple channels, social media channels and others for exhibiting that subject matter expertise to clients, to prospects and uh, to the public. What is a, a missing opportunity and or an upcoming challenge that advisors, uh, the financial advice industry isn't either addressing or just doesn't see coming at all? Yeah, I would home in on that third trend that I just mentioned, which a lot of the financial advice market has already embraced. And I'm preaching to the choir with the two of you. But I would reinforce that content creation, which stepping back is really, I think, a manifestation of this larger idea that subject matter experts are now more generously, more frequently sharing and discussing their expertise publicly. So I would just reinforce that this trend is irreversible. And yes, perhaps not enough people, including FAs, realize that. Over the past two years, uh, there's been some fascinating research out of the likes of uh, Greenwich Associates and Peregrine and others that just reveal the momentum that content creation and social media usage generally have among both FAs and their prospects. So it's meeting this new generation of clients where they are, where they spend time, and for better or worse, that place is online. 
So as I said, a lot of the market has embraced this. I still come across, you know, whether it's RIA shops or brokerage houses or individual advisors where either the culture or, you know, most of the time it's the compliance apparatus is just still behind the curve uh, on this trend. And yes, I answer their questions about content ownership and uh, editabilities and space for regulatory disclosures, handling comments and record retention and all that. Um, but I'd say overall, what I'm finding is that as more advisors and firms get over those uh, hurdles, more take notice, others take notice. And there's more evidence all the time that, again, this is what the new and next generations of clients want. And that therefore, this drives business out, real business outcomes for the, um, for the FA market. This is almost bringing a tear to my eye. <laughs> Just there to the choir, say, as I said, you guys are a, a, a manifestation of all of these best practices. So, <laughs> I mean, I, Adam's been doing this longer than I've been doing it. I've been doing it a while. And it's just great to get validation from someone like yourself from such an you know awesome worldwide organization that just gets it, right? Like content creation is here. There are these compliance and other pain points, but it's possible. I mean, look what Adam and I were able to do, you know? So it's it's just really cool. It's really neat to hear you say that. I don't, what, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, no, look, I, I think it's it's great to hear the, the reiteration of content development. We know so many financial advisors are stymied by the kind of complexity of, oh boy, I can't get this through compliance, so I'll do nothing. And we're seeing everything is further from the truth, right? Content doesn't have to be writing a long form article. It can be authentic posting on what I care about. And so I think this real need and desire for human potential customers to connect with uh, our subject matter experts they can do it in lots of different ways. But I'm curious, you know, what actions do you think financial advisors should take or what should they be rethinking about now? Yeah. Well, I'll share this framework. Uh, it's kind of this forced initialism, A, B, C, D, E, that I share all the time. And um, it's you can almost use it as a checklist for thinking through content creation and distribution and all of that. Uh, so A, and actually, Adam, uh, you just mentioned this, is authenticity. That is just paramount. Uh, you have to remember that nobody else has your unique set of experiences and expertise. And so using your own voice to represent that will make your content stand out. Uh, B, it, a little bit forced, it's bring something to the table, which, which is to say, advance the conversation about that trend or that piece of news or whatever you're sharing rather than repeat the conversation. So draw on those insights from your unique set of experiences and expertise to, to bring something to the table. C, I think you just mentioned this as well, Adam, is consistency. Uh, consistency is really key when it comes to building a following around content. And it's important to remember that uh, consistency does not necessarily mean frequency. Consistency is just some form of, uh, of consistent basis so that when people click follow or subscribe or what have you, uh, they can expect more insights to follow on a consistent basis. The D is uh, distribute on these social channels. You know, if you thought uh, just clicking publish was the end of the process, online, that can really just be the start. So tag people who you know may be interested in the topic, share links across your other social channels when you publish on one channel, use email or your email signature or your website for links to your social newsletters or your podcast or your profiles. So just remember that to grow a following, by definition, you have to get in front of people who don't already follow you, by definition. So you got to be distributing your content. 
And then the E, the last one I'll mention is engage. So again, when publishing, there's more work to be done. Prompt people to join the conversation with their own take or experience or questions. Uh, reward them by reacting to their comments and answering their questions. Ask them questions as well. So these are social platforms you have to remember to to be social. Um, I'm curious, you know, one of the things that we always allow our interviewees to, to share is sometimes they have a unique perspective that just, it needs to be rethought. Some either controversy or other thing they're experiencing that they're like, they want the world to hear and start thinking about. Is there anything that kind of just touches on your mind? Yeah. I mean, this isn't, uh, this isn't groundbreaking and, and it goes to a few things I've said, but I think for this, you know, for the FA market, what, what I find myself always saying is take it to, to compliance, take it to your compliance department. I, I think so many advisors, uh, see and hear the value in content creation or just, uh, you know, sparking conversation online. They see and hear the demand from clients or from prospects, but then uh, compliance is the blocker. And obviously, compliance professionals have their specific duties and job. Uh, it's funny, my two parents are um, regulatory financial uh, consultants in this industry. And, and so our uh, dinner table debates when they're visiting or I'm visiting them are all about this. But there is a way to get over these hurdles. You see so many, as, as I said, uh, RIA shops or, or brokerage houses or, or advisors doing this so well. So that there is a solution there. And uh, just doing it collaboratively with your compliance folks can, can get you over the line. So listen to their questions, find all the answers to all their questions, ask me if you need help, and uh, there's a way to get it done. What happens when you get two compliance people <laughs> yes. together in finance, have a child who becomes a CFA and then decides to get into social media? Like, Are they going to be able to talk about anything at dinner? I know. That's well, awesome. As you can imagine, they're... Their dream was for me to uh, to join their business and to take mm. it over and to be a regulatory compliance professional in financial services. But uh, obviously, I went a different route. But it, it makes for uh, it makes for interesting debate and conversation. See, now wasn't that cool? At the very end, Derek, I don't know if you heard that authenticity, which, if you needed any indication, makes it real for who Devin is, right? That's the kind of piece, and we wanted to include that from our interview. That was our side conversation, by the way, that I wanted to include there so that people would get an idea of like, that's the level of authenticity we're talking about. Being vulnerable, in a sense, talk about your parents and how they wanted, wanted him to be something else, but he used that and he turned it into something else. And now look at his ascendancy within the organization. And, and that's really cool. It is really cool. I, it is super scary too, right? It's because you're it's one thing to open up to like one person at a cocktail party. It's another thing to open up to potentially thousands, tens of thousands, whatever people online. Mm -hmm. But if you do it like the way he did it, it just works. And all of a sudden you feel this affinity for a person and their content. And you want to hear more from them because you're like, you know what? I'm like Devin, right? My yeah. parents are compliance officers too, or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right. I'd fight with compliance officers. Yeah. Well, I fight. yeah right. You know, <laughs> I've got a compliance officer in my life. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so I think it's a great example. And when it's fun, it's kind of funny. So what, what we wanted to do for everybody is we wanted to also run this out for house. So we talked a little bit about why having followers makes sense and, and what you can do 
Uh, and Devin did a great job with his framework, the ABCDE framework, which I think is really strong to keep in mind. So when you're doing posting and content and creation, these are the things that are going to have multiplicative effect on your content and getting interactions or impressions, other kind of words you're going to need to be familiar with because they also dictate how many times your content's interacted with so that that will generate followers. People will choose to follow you if they like your content after the third or fourth time, not the first time usually, unless it's really just aligned with them. Um, talk to me, Derek, about some of the most successful things you've done here. There's a lot of different ways. And also there's a lot of testing, mm. right? And what that's what's cool. I'm going to take a quick tangent here. So testing in the old world, whether it was print advertisement, like an ad in a magazine or the actual magazine itself, took a lot of time because you'd have to like get people to buy that magazine, what, three, four times off a newsstand, and maybe maybe then they subscribe to it. So the testing super long-term and the testing on social and digital is super fast. You'll know within 24 hours if your content resonates or not. If it doesn't, just go, don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some great... Um, Examples of, you know, authenticity really works well. I did an authentic post just today, mm-hmm. which is already getting some really great traction. I think the one that we all can relate to is the Super Bowl ad uh, for mm-hmm. Coinbase that came out, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And that was huge. I did a post on it. It did really well, but it captured the country's like attention, really. Mm-hmm. But it was authentic. It was different. They knew who they were talking to. It was just a really fascinating example, but there's so many different ways. Like you and I also started, man, it's been over a year, a uh, kind of like a multiplication, like pot or group to help push each other's content and share with other like-minded people. And even just seeing the growth or lack thereof, some people didn't participate. Mm-hmm. They will remain nameless. Well, actually, they'll remain followerless. Oh, that's even Smack better. down, right? Oh, that is, that's it. Yeah. And that's the implication of not participating in an engagement pod is you don't get engagement. Boy, that's actually a really, really good point. I'm glad, study, I, I'm, I'm glad I participated. Uh, you, you <laughs> rocked it. I'm, yeah. But let's, we'll talk about an engagement pod because I think a lot of professionals don't understand what that is. What is an engagement pod on well, social media? So and you have to be careful here because you don't want to create a situation where it's spammy. But mm-hmm. in case, the way that we set up our pod is you and I and others like us, we came together as a group of like-minded individuals who knew who we were talking to, had similar experiences, backgrounds, and messages that we wanted to share. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like instead of multiplication, I almost call it more of a collaboration pod. And in that process, we're able to help amplify our messages. So we did that. We've done it for over a year. A lot of people fell off um, and their follow or lack thereof followers um, show. And the people that stayed in actually did a really good job. But it was a way for us to get the credibility, the authenticity, the engagement, the conversation going on a social platform. That's what Devin just said. Engage. Like just dropping a post, that's, that's the bare minimum. The content really works after the fact, after you start engaging with people and having dialogue and looking at the conversations and things happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, that's, so anyways, that's what we did on LinkedIn. It worked really well for some of us. Yeah. And just to kind of give more details of tell me what specifically to do. Imagine we got together 15, some subject matter experts with a similar audience 
And we all said we would be promotive of each other's posts if we agreed with them, that we would be aware of them and we would multiply them through what? We would like them. We would celebrate those posts. We would reshare those posts. We would actually write comments on those posts and tag others and so forth. So what we're doing is we're, we're doing what Devin said was we're multiplying the impact by distributing it intentionally amongst our respective communities. It's like sharing coupons amongst friends. And I share it with my food coupon. He gives his coupon to the next. And next thing you know, we all go to the same restaurant and we've now increased that restaurant's following. And so in a sense, the, the idea is that if you could do this over time, you start lifting the communities cross engagement with each other. And I, you know, several of us have increased our followings by thousands. Others have not. And it's because we committed to it on an ongoing basis. So the consistency he was talking about in one of his, in his C bullet of ABC was, is you have to do this stuff consistently because I don't know about you. If I see a single post from somebody and it's the only post I ever notice. I don't know if I get it, but if I, if it's memorable and I kind of hear their voice and I like their attitude, I'm going to add them into my fake news media cycle, which is called following. And then right. basically now I'm listening to their content, big surprise. I'm being influenced by them because I'm learning sort of news from them. And I say that lovingly because if I joke that fake news is all kind of curated propaganda, as I mentioned early, but at the same time, it's the message that somebody wants to project are you open to hearing it? And, and I think uh, that's the key of marketing is putting your brand and your awareness and maybe your preeminence in front of somebody so that you are relevant and top of mind. When they have a problem, they think, boom, Derek Notman. They think, oh, I got to call Adam Holt or I got to reach out. That's who you should use. That's what we're effectively doing by creating a following with a credible voice. Yeah. Staying top of mind. You know, so how can, if you're an advisor listening to this, how can you take this a little bit more granular, like it's a tactical step? Mm-hmm. Maybe go find other five financial advisors that actually market to the same type of client you do. Mm-hmm. Now, that might sound backwards at first. Like, well, it's competition. I don't want them to get my stuff. Or remember, this is the client's choice, warm inbound. So why not be supportive and all market to the same type of people and let the consumer choose who they want? Coke and Pepsi are both marketing the same people, right? You're either you're a Coke or a Pepsi or you don't care. Um, so I think that's just something really important to keep in mind, like that's a great quick way to get, you know, tactical with this. Also hashtags. Do you use hashtags, Adam? I do. And and it's becoming more popular on LinkedIn, but obviously for Twitter, it's really strong. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing, the hashtags. I, I, I tend to forget it more and I tend to, to tag other individuals whom I think would be relevant. So I, I might be inclined to say, uh, this reminds me of a conversation I just had with link Derek Nauman. Right. So now Derek's going to get a notification that I mentioned him in a post. He's probably going to like it, which means his followers are going to see it if he has enough preeminence with them. And they're going to see that Derek liked it. Next thing you know, Derek's subscribers are reading my post where I happen to mention Derek because they want to hear about their friend. And next, so there's a habit, a cycle that we tend to do every posting is we tend to. We tend to link certain individuals or communities that we think would be relevant for that audience. And that just, that makes, uh, that makes sense. I recently had this, um, this situation where I was creating very intentional posts that I wanted my audience to hear. It was really important for them to hear it. It was, it was technical. I really wanted, uh, people to listen to it and it got 5,000 impressions and I was really happy with that. 
and then I posted some silly photograph of me from 2018 because someone forwarded it to me and I got 15,000 impressions and, and hundreds and thousands of likes and reviews. And, re- and I'm thinking, why is that going to go viral relative to this other really important information? And that's why I tell you, people are not consuming and are emotionally connected to data. They're connected to things that make them feel good or make them laugh or really make them angry. And that's obviously evident in, I think, what people are consuming today. I say that to you because that's when we talk about authenticity. That's really what people are looking for engaging with, too. I was surprised at how much that photograph making fun of myself uh, was really going to have that much more impact. That's not necessarily the preeminence I wanted to create, but it wasn't negative, right? There was no bad there's no bad press, right? No, but it was authentic. It was yeah, genuine. It was me. I was right? me in the photo. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty it's authentic, true. right? Unless you've got a doppelganger out there. Um, I've been told <laughs> which I is do, a scary right? thought. That's a scary thought. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I look like that, every other person. <laughs> <laughs> but think about it, like followers, right? If you had a lot of followers or enough to like engage with that, which you did, you probably grew your followers. You probably had more profile views. And then some of that mm-hmm. is you're going down this funnel and filtering, probably like, huh, I'm going to send Adam a DM or I'm going to go check out assetmap.com with the hyphen. You got to have the hyphen in there. That's right. Don't forget that. Uh, you know, or whatever, right? So they go down that funnel a little bit. But if you don't have enough followers, then there's not enough people to go through the fu- that funnel because you're going to lose some people at each stage of the funnel. No, it's true. Your um, example on Coinbase was so good because I've been saying this forever. I loved and I told everybody that I laughed that entire ad of the Super Bowl. I did snap on it and, and I, you know, took me to a page and yeah, now I'm caught up in the whole lead gen. And, <laughs> and I think it was worth it just to see where it took me. I did post it. Um, and it was a really great uh, example of scrappy, scrappy memorability. Memorability. Am I, am I saying this right? Memorableness. What is that word? Is that a word? No, it's not. It's a word for memorable. Right now. Oh my gosh! I literally <laughs> forgot English there for a second. I almost started. I almost started channeling my Ukrainian. Start. I cursing. think we just lost some followers, dude. We might have, I, you know. But I, right, mad respect for what's going on in Ukraine. By the way, we oh, can't. Yeah. This is going on right now, so we're, yep. we're we've got a lot of you know friends and thoughts out there. So I, we can't. We can't be remiss in talking about that, especially when we're talking about memorability. And I think what was interesting about that advertisement is it just impacted so many people and got people thinking and talking, good and bad. Some people were quite angry. Recently, I had this situation right when we interviewed Devin, and he talked about his ABCDE uh, protocol, which I thought was just fantastic, right? And I'm driving in the car with my daughter. And here comes this song. And they're like, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F, what? And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, where did that come from? And and my daughter explained, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but this is a song by Gail, a very popular pop artist now, which I have now learned her her video alone, which we looked it up because Derek and I are old dads. We had to look it all up. This, this <laughs> popular thing. We, we were like closing our ears the whole time. Like, oh, my gosh, laughing because this song uh, it basically uses these characters. It has over a hundred million views, right? Now, how does something like this, Scrappy, a song about ABCD, gain this much following? And if you watch the video on YouTube, it's all about a home. It's a home video that this girl and her girlfriends made about her anger with her ex-boyfriend, right? And 
because it's so relatable to so many people and authentic, you can just see why it works. Now, I'm not going, I'm not saying that you should all go create like your own home video, but look at even the <laughs> Holderness family. Have you ever seen what they've oh, done? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On Facebook, it's sure. awesome. They do the spoofs on this thing. It's totally clean and they make it authentic. And then they end with these really kind of spoofy things where they were messing around their family. Why, why are we telling you this? What does that have anything to do with gaining followers? People are looking for authentic, real views into who you are as a person so that they want to, to connect with you. They want to follow you. They want to know you're not just some robot, but some, you know, cool marketing materials, you know, like I, that just it's not boring. It's not going to work anymore. Boring. Yeah. Stop. Don't Stop. do that. <laughs> don't do that. We'll outro this program with the ABCD song for those of you that don't know. Yeah, you're, so let's and we'll link to it. Up. We'll link to it. Oh, we'll even link to it. We're going to get in real trouble now. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about our wrap-ups, Derek. So what can advisors take away from this program today? Personality wins, man. Personality. And that's like a combination of authenticity and all that stuff. But just as you said, people connect with you and your content. Um, so that's got to come through. As I mentioned earlier, we're an opt-in, opt-out like society. So give people a reason to opt in. Why should they take your news, even if it's fake news, right? Why should they take your news over someone else's news? Why do they want to do that? And what's cool though, keep this in mind is that you have a direct voice and interaction with your recipients, the people that are getting your content and vice versa. You can't do that through a magazine ad. So it's pretty cool what you can do if you do it right. Those are my big ones. Like, I think that's that's, I don't know. What do you, what do you have? What do you want to add there other than your, your song? Well, Devin said that, uh, Devin said that everybody's a subject matter expert here. That's the expectation, right? If you're publishing something publicly you got to stand behind it, right? So that means everybody's got a higher standard. Um, remember that. So here's the question for you listening right now. What are you a subject matter expert about? What are you an expert about? Okay. Now that you know what that is, or you're going to think about it overnight, that's an important Go with that, double down on that and do it authentically. And then of course, no, thanks. Compliance procedure for regardless of your broker dealer affiliation, whatever it might be, just get over your concerns that they're not going to accept it. So therefore you don't have to start. You have to decide that you're going to create a digital presence. Part of this will have to be authentic. Authentic is what people are connecting with. You don't have to talk about guarantees to be authentic. You don't have to talk about returns or performance to be authentic. So the more authentic you are and the less, we'll call it industry you are, the more likely compliance is going to be supportive as long as you're not offensive, right? And so that's the real key to this. I, I you know, I, I hate to say it. It's, it seems to be obvious. Derek, always a pleasure spending time with you. Yeah. Do we want to like kind of give a little uh, cue up for the next uh, episode here? We had an interesting question come in actually. Oh, we did. I didn't, I didn't miss it. What was the question? Um, well, this is from Johnny. I think, was this the question to you? Yeah, this was to you. Well, I didn't answer it. What was it? What did Johnny well, say? Well, so, and we've talked about this a number of our episodes. So I think it's kind of relevant and may, maybe he listened to all of our episodes. I don't know. That would be Johnny. If you did, thanks, man. That's three listeners now. Three. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, but he, so he says this, he's like, listen, there's all this talk of tech integration and the value of human advice and good lead gen and all this stuff. But why? He just says, why? Why should I focus on tech integration? How am I supposed to find the best clients to work with? And what evidence do we have to support the value of human advice over robo? What do you think? Well, 
I, I mean, I love this topic. I can't believe I, I missed it. And I, I want to talk about it. That's great. Maybe your doppelganger got it instead of you did. I don't know. Wait, I actually have to read my emails. I thought they just come in. It's a one-way thing. 125,000 unread emails right now on my phone. It's hilarious. Don't, so in other words, do not email Adam. Don't email Adam. And don't call Derek. Don't call me. <laughs> don't email me. Call me and email Derek. Okay. There you go. Well, look, there's lots to talk about here. I mean, the, the tech integrations, we've seen it literally going overboard now. Um, so I have some opinions as a fintech person and the, the amounts of demands we're getting. Can you just avoid us by moving this one piece of data to here? Otherwise, we can't consider it. And we're like, you're missing the whole point. Um, we're trying to elevate the human experience. I don't know if you realize this. The human value has to be magnified. Otherwise, we are going to wind up basically acting like a bunch of cyborg robots. And I'll tell you, robo-advisors are going to be cheaper than that, by the way. Robo-advisor direct is going to be cheaper than a cyborg. Uh, So we keep talking about this hybrid human tech experience. The tech has to actually just lift the human to its highest, uh, we'll call it best use, which is with other humans. So we'll just all stand on this technology together, um, not necessarily be taken over by it. And I think that's going to be a challenging thing uh, with us going forward. Well, we've got a really cool guest that we're going to uh, talk about this on our next episode. I'm, I'm going to just leave it as like a, um, a mystery. Mystery. A, Easter a mystery. Mystery guest. But they are like, you all know them. They know FinTech inside and out. And it's just, yeah, I think it'll be a fun conversation. Quick to the point. Um, so anyways, we'll get to it. It's all good. All right. Derek, my second outro attempt. Let's hear Gail's song. You ready? Get ready to rock, everybody. Thank you for listening to Rethink, the financial advisor podcast with Holt and Notman. Be sure to subscribe now and join the ongoing conversation. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Asset Map or Connector. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.